Hi, this is Larry Christopher with a podcast, and I'm going to be reviewing and discussing a book by uh, T.C. Boyle called Outside Looking In. Now, uh, T.C. Boyle is a novelist who's been around for a long time. I don't think I've read any of his books before. I'm not 100% sure because I've read a lot of books over the years, but I've recently read this one because I'm, I'm sort of interested in, in the history of LSD and psychedelics. So... First of all, I'm mostly going to be reading from a review I've already published on Goodreads, but I'm going to also improvise a little, and uh, you can always look up this book. I'm, I have a Goodreads account. Okay, so here it is. Outside Looking In by T.C. Boyle is a novel about the early days of LSD experimentation in Basel, Switzerland, and upstate New York. Boyle, like any novelist covering historic events, has to navigate the path between truth, fiction, and speculation. The novel is populated with a mixture of real characters, such as Timothy Leary, Richard Alpert, Michael Hollingshead, Albert Hoffman, and others, and fictional characters, including the two narrators who join Leary's inner circle at Millbrook, Fitz and Joni Loney. Boyle confuses things a bit by giving his novel the same name as an earlier book on a similar topic, an anthology of recollections by many influential members of the psychedelic movement. This book is also called uh, Outside Looking In. I haven't read that one, but it's easy to find. There's selections in this book by Leary, Albert Hoffman, Allen Ginsberg, and Hunter S. Thompson, and others. So I, I'm not sure why he gave this novel the same title, but I guess he's trying to draw uh, a link to it. Okay, right here. Note, the remainder of this review contains what might be considered spoilers. As this is basically a historical novel, spoilers don't really matter as much as they would in a suspense novel or mystery. Events, events regarding Leary, for example, are well known. However, if you want to read for yourself how the fictional Loney's fair, or for that matter, anything, any of the events that happened here like in the 1960s, I'd suggest reading the novel first. Yeah, I don't really think this is a book where spoilers matter, but like on Goodreads, they, they was, they're very strict about that. They have a warning about it. I, I generally like to read a book before I read reviews, but I guess it depends on your preferences. All right, the first section begins with Albert Hoffman testing LSD on himself and an assistant in Sandoz Laboratories in Basel. As is well known, the compound's psychoactive elements were discovered by accident while Hoffman was conducting medical research for Sandoz. He first discovered these properties back in 1938 and in 1943, right in the middle of World War II, and began taking large dosages and writing down effects, such as seeing vivid colors, spatial distortions, and spiritual experiences. Of course, uh, back in those days, there really was no knowledge of psychedelics in the West. I mean, I suppose some people may have experimented with these kinds of substances in other parts of the world, like in Mexico or Central America or South America, but they were pretty much unknown to most people in the West. And then there was a pretty long gap between the, that time and the 60s when people like Timothy Leary began experimenting. After the introduction in Basel, I'm back to the book now, the rest of Outside Looking In takes place in the early 1960s and follows Timothy Leary and his uh, group of followers from Harvard University to Zihuatanejo, Mexico, I probably didn't pronounce that right, and finally to Millbrook, New York in Dutchess County, a mansion that became a community for 
Leary and his acolytes. Okay, Fitz, one of the uh, narrators, is a graduate student at Harvard working towards his PhD. Timothy Leary, his advisor, is lackadaisical about academic matters, but recruits Fitz and his wife Joni into his community of experimenters. Fitz and Joni have a teenage son, Corey, and much of the novel concerns the difficulty of balancing family life while taking large doses of mind-altering substances. They start with psilocybin, but graduate to LSD and take increasingly strong doses. At this point, outside looking in mostly fits into the formula of portraying the dire consequences of taking drugs and neglecting your worldly responsibilities. It also explores the dangers of falling under the spell of a charismatic leader. Leary, who is eventually expelled from Harvard for his unconventional practices, is portrayed, probably accurately, as a charismatic and often manipulative leader who is often oblivious to practical reality and long-term consequences. He takes the group to Mexico where they set up an idyllic tropical paradise until they are all expelled by the Mexican authorities. They then set up shop in Millbrook where they are harassed by the local police. The Millbrook part of the story sort of parallels the material covered in the Netflix film film Wild Wild Country, not exactly the same material but a similar situation, about the conflict between Osho and his followers and the small town Oregon residents who are ultimately victimized by the Osho cult. Of course, Leary's group was relatively small and never did more than violate the norms of the square, uptight, straight residents, to describe them in the jargon of the 60s of upstate New York. Still, both uh, stories deal with the culture clash between spiritual seekers attempting to usher in a new age of spiritual enlightenment and conservative townsfolk who resist change. Okay, one of the central limitations of outside looking in is that Boyle doesn't really appreciate the transcendent qualities of substances such as psilocybin, LSD. He describes many a trip, and they cover the spectrum from interesting and kaleidoscopic to hellish, but the kind of transcendence that many seekers have reported isn't experienced by Fitz or Joni. It's only referred to by Leary and his acolytes in, in like a secondhand way. In a way, this novel comes along at a strange time, there's currently quite a renaissance in psychedelic research, especially psilocybin and MDMA, or ecstasy, both of which show promise for treating depression and PTSD. Boyle doesn't seem particularly interested in looking at the positive side of psychedelics. Uh, This isn't to say that the downward spiral events in the novel is unrealistic. In fact, the experiences, the actual experiences, that is, of Leary and his group in Cambridge, Mexico, and Millbrook were often chaotic and harmful. However, there's certainly another side to the whole movement, one that Boyle barely addresses. The novel seems a bit dated in its outlook and not because of its setting in the early 60s, but in its implicit endorsement of conventional society. I'm not saying that Boyle intended to portray a conventional cautionary tale about how drugs and a cult of personality can destroy homes and families, but halfway through it falls into this rather simplistic model. One way the Boyle pushes the reader's sympathy away from Leary and his group is by making the Loney's young parents. As Fitz and Joni get ever more engulfed in their LSD sessions, teenaged Corey is increasingly neglected. 
As portrayed in the novel, Corey and the other kids, including Leary's own, form a semi-self-sufficient group of their own. So uh, this is showing how these parents are neglecting their kids while they're taking all these drugs. And uh, This is a legitimate issue, but it wasn't really central to the movement, and most likely most of the participants didn't actually have kids. There's also the touchy issue of actually giving drugs to kids, which inevitably started to happen both in the novel and in real life. But it seems, that, again, that Boyle was anxious to drill this point home, as otherwise there was really no reason to make the Loney's parents. After all, how many college students, even in graduate programs, have children? Another message of outside looking in is that monogamy doesn't mix well with drug experimentation. As the story proceeds, uh, Fitz and Loney drift apart, and they experiment with new partners in the group, and Fitz ends up becoming obsessed with this uh, young girl who's sort of a drifter who attaches herself to the group, and at this point, Fitz barely even notices when Joni takes Corey away from Millbrook and just exits from the whole scene. So, again, he's uh, focusing on some uh, real issues, but almost strictly on the negative uh, outcomes. So, overall, uh, Outside Looking In is interesting as a work of historical fiction. Boyle does effectively capture many of the like norms, dialogue, and like atmosphere of America in this period just before the more substantial changes of the late 60s. But beyond this, it ends up being a fairly conventional cautionary tale rather than a book that offers any deep insights into the complex and multifaceted psychedelic phenomenon. Now, if you want to learn more about psychedelics and the movement since the 60s, I mean, you really have to go elsewhere. Like, you can read uh, stuff from Timothy Leary himself or Richard Alpert, who is a character in the book, he was certainly part of this movement, but then he quickly moved on to believe that you really needed to meditate and follow a drug-free spiritual path. But he's still worth reading as a as a more direct and spiritual uh, proponent of, of the whole movement. Then there's people like Stanislav Graf, who conducted some very thorough experiments uh, with LSD. I read him a long time ago, but I would highly recommend looking him up. G-R-O-F, Graf. And then there's like the Psychedelics Encyclopedia by Peter Stafford that has a whole selection of uh, essays and articles. And a lot, lots lots of other books as well. But again, Outside Looking In is fine as a historical account and a novel and a dramatization of a very limited aspect of the movement. But other than that, it's still limited. And... Like in an interview with NPR, Boyle discusses his own experience with psychedelics and admits, I never had a good trip, which is a very significant statement, I mean, considering he's just written a whole book about psychedelics, and he's admitting that his own experiences were not good. So uh, the truth of his statement is quite evident throughout the novel, and it's understandable that someone who's never had positive or meaningful experiences would tend to focus on the downside of these drugs. So... Read the book and enjoy it, but don't think of it as any kind of complete or final word on the subject. So thanks for listening, and I'll be back soon, hopefully with uh, more podcasts, including reviews, interviews, and discussions on a variety of issues. And uh, good night for now.